You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. Hey guys, before we start the show, I want to tell you about Dodge. See your authorized Dodge dealer and experience a world of performance, design, and fuel efficiency. Schedule a test drive. Go to Dodge.com and check out our powerful lineup. Hey guys, welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea. We've got Bill Goldberg uh, on the phone again. How are you, Bill? Uh, you know, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here in spirit, but physically, I'm uh, I'm at home. Uh, it's been, I know it's been a crazy week or week and a half or so, going back and forth to L.A. and uh, filming... Uh, uh, filming up here, I guess. You've been filming up uh, doing NCIS Los Angeles? Yeah, man, you know, um, in a perfect world, it would have been a, a wonderful situation, you know, going up there for eight, eight, nine days, doing some filming up in L.A., but, you know, I, I don't like to live the perfect world. <laughs> I like to make things as difficult as humanly possible. Therefore, I commuted every day. Yeah. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a wonderful experience uh, taking out the eight hours of uh, car travel daily, but... You know, uh, you live and learn, and uh, it was it was great, man. I'm looking forward to the episode coming out, and uh, uh, you know, it gave me an opportunity to see some uh, cool cars being trailered in LA traffic. (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, hopefully, you get a little time off in between. We can have you come back up into the studio. We'd love to see you again. And uh, well, I will definitely be there soon. You know, another thing I want to touch on real quick is. uh, I got to drive a nice Dodge Ram in uh, in NCIS, and I heard that they have two wide-body Hellcats on the way. Uh, so it made me uh, like that show even more. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. Uh, I, LL Cool J drives a, a a Challenger in that in that show all the time, where he has for seasons now, right? So they're, maybe they're going to upgrade his ride. Well, they're definitely upgrading his wide to a wide-body Hellcat. I don't know <laughs> if it will be the uh, Red Eye. I don't think so, but I'm. I was told yesterday they got two wide bodies headed their way. And how how long do you think it's going to be when your episode airs? You know, man, I don't know how NCIS is. I know that, uh, for instance, uh, Knife or Death which is coming out October 3rd. I mean, we finished filming that um, at the end of August and <laughs> August, September, October. So, I mean, that's a, that's a one and a month, one and a half month turnaround to put a program out on national television. So I don't know how NCIS does it, but I do know that it's possible to turn around very quickly, but I also know it's possible for it to be banked and, yeah, you know, so for aired in six eight months for for knife or death, you film the entire season and they're going to start airing that you know right away. I'm pretty sure for a lot of the big network shows, uh, you know, like the 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 main, you know, whatever three or four network shows, um, uh, like the CBSs and NBCs of the world. I think they start filming. <clears throat> then they start airing, and they continue filming while the season is happening. So they're gonna—they're probably a few episodes in, and then I think they—they they still film a little bit this year as new shows roll out in like September or October or November. But 
Um, I, I, we had some friends work on a couple of shows from back in the day uh, that were telling me about it. And I went out there and visited them on some of the episodes that they were filming in the middle of the season. It was weird. It was like kind of a long, yeah. depending on the show, you know, it kind of depends on the show. Um, well, that'll be good. Yeah, It'll be also, exciting to do. Also taking the, also taking it for that. I'm sorry. You broke up there. Did we lose you? Oh, there you are. Yeah, it literally took one day to film an episode at Knife or Death. Yeah. You know, CSI, I was on for eight days. And, uh, I, I mean, that's one episode. So it's uh, it's amazing how quick the turnaround can be. And it's also amazing how long and arduous the the process can be in the you know in the process yeah. in the middle of it yeah except you were on NCIS not uh, not CSI just just a little <laughs> oh did I say CSI you said CSI. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well I was right. on CSI a while ago so you know I've been hitting the head a lot and there we go yeah there is there is crime and stuff involved oh I get it so um, I want to uh, get into some of this news that we've been hearing about. There's some interesting stuff going on. Uh, obviously, some big news from Ferrari that just happened. We'll get into that. Um, uh, but before we uh, before we start on that, I'm going to tell you guys about Wrangler. Everybody's got a favorite pair of jeans that fit perfect and always look great. And no one knows this better than Wrangler. Wrangler jeans, they're made for the modern-day adventurers. Whether you ride a bike, a bronc, or a skateboard, these jeans are for you. Classic and modern styles, a range of fits, and a price that works for you. Plus, there's vintage re-releases. If you visit Wrangler.com and check out their great selection of jeans, shirts, pants, and outerwear for both men and women, there's new styles, great fits, Wrangler, real comfortable jeans. So check out Wrangler.com. 50 bucks if you post a picture of you and a pair of Wranglers. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably just do that then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, count me in. Um, so, so some interesting news. We've been waiting a while for this BMW Z4, or some people have, you know, if you're into the BMW Z4. And uh, all the images are starting to come out now. And, you know, we've seen... Uh, you know, we've we've kind of got an idea of what the exterior styling is going to be, and now that it's fully uncovered, uh, we saw it up at Pebble Beach. Um, it's it's interesting. They, the Z4 has gone from from a hard top back to a soft top. It, it it's a little more aggressive in the styling. I think it's kind of cool. I don't know if you've seen it yet, Bill. Um, but yeah, I checked it out. But there's just something about the profile of it and the rear tail lights that seem an awful lot. Like the Mercedes, like the SLK, it's really starting to look a little SLK-ish, but with the BMW front kidneys uh, in the front. But um, uh, I'm sure that's pissing off a bunch of purists. Yeah, I, I, it kind of it kind of is. I'm I'm curious to see how this plays out. Um, I guess the Z4 does well enough for them that uh, they made this big investment and had the, and brought this car back. Uh, this is what we do know. The base engine will be a two-liter, four-cylinder twin turbo with 255 horsepower and 295 pound-feet of torque. Um, it'll be through an eight-speed automatic transmission. I don't know that there's any manual transmission available. Um, and this should <clears throat> be a, a little bit of bump in power 
over the previous generation uh, two liter. I think it's something like 15 horsepower and 35 uh, pound-feet of torque. Um, the zero to 60 is supposed to be about 5.2 seconds. Should be pretty interesting. That's what's going to come out, I believe, in 2019. And then, uh, and then soon after that, we will have the three liter version, which is the turbocharged six cylinder. Of course, the inline six that BMW does so well. 382 horsepower, 369 pound feet of torque. And the 060 will be 4.4 seconds. I'm curious if they will do an M version. I'm sure there'll be an M Sport version, which will have, uh, you know, the trim package and things like that for for the M Sport. But I don't know if they're going to do an M version. I'd like to see an M version of it. It could be kind of cool. I'm not sure how this falls in with, uh, are they going to do a Z5? I wasn't sure if they're still doing that, or is that the one that's the Toyota Subaru? Uh, the Toyota Subaru platform that uh, I think that's the one that's being shared. You know, uh, I'm not sure, but we know that the new Subaru is coming out and it's a shared platform with the BMW. So I'd like to get some more information about that. I think that's start to coming out soon. I think more on the Subaru side. It's going to be tough to sort of to sort of trump the 2JZ motor and the Subaru Turbo that we all love and and every Fast and Furious fan <laughs> that uh that uh, fell in love with the Subaru uh uh from the Supra tur- I'm sorry the Supra Turbo not the Subaru I said Subaru but it's ironic that you're talking about the relationship between those two because yesterday as I drove home on the 73 for my last day of set on NCIS not <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, I saw a, a nice BMW badged, you know, with the trunk emblem with an with a WRX badging right next to it. Oh, well, that's weird. It's got to be some kind of yeah. somebody somebody making a play on the whole on the whole cross platform well, yeah, thing. But... It, it's it's kind of similar to uh, to a few of the photos you've posted with that Lexus and yeah you know uh yeah pretty goofy it's it's pretty funny what people do with their vehicles out there and, and it's it's weird that we're starting to get these shared platforms now i mentioned subaru but it was like subaru and scion right the fr uh the frs was was built with the the subaru brz and now we've got toyota uh we've got the supra being built on a on the platform that's being shared with BMW. So I I mean I guess it's a way for for them to bring out these these sports cars um, that are kind of fun, but share some of the development costs um, by by kind of doing this this crossover uh, of brands, if you will. Um, so it should be kind of interesting to see how that all how that all plays out. Uh, if if Supra fans get behind this or not, we'll we'll find out. Um, so there's been some 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 press events and some re- some releases that came out soon, and uh, big news from Ferrari and big news from Audi. Audi released what's called an e-tron, and it's basically a small SUV. It's a crossover. It's all electric. It it's going to be up there. Like we we know we've had the model. 
uh, the Tesla Model X for some time. And uh, Jaguar's been really talking a lot about their I-Pace. They're even doing a spec racing division. I think Bobby Rahal is one of the teams. He's fielding one of the teams out there in this all-electric I-Pace spec racing class. Uh, so we, we, we're pretty familiar with the I-Pace of what we've seen so far. Uh, we're actually on schedule to drive one of those, uh, I think, in October. We're going to get an I-Pace. Um, i got to check the dates on it, but it's, I'm not, I don't remember if it's before or after SEMA. I think it's before SEMA. We're going to drive the I-Pace and really get kind of an idea. And the I-Pace is something like... You know, it's it's you know it starts at like seventy thousand bucks. It's got a you know two hundred and forty mile range. It's it's going to be pretty zippy. It was zero to sixty in four and a half seconds, but <clears throat> it's going to look like a Jag and it's going to handle like a Jag. And uh, I I don't know how much have you seen it yet, Bill? But well, uh, all I can tell you is what I'm looking at don't look like no Jag. It looks like a run of the mill uh, electric car. Now, if you want to talk about styling. Hands down, this Audi's got them both beat. Yeah, if you, so, if you ask me. So this thing's kind of cool, and uh, they're, they're they're starting to talk about like they're kind of loose on on some of the details. We know that there's dual motors and all wheel drive. That's going to be pretty much on par with with the Audi, the Jag, and the <laughs> Tesla. Let's say the Tesla Model X seventy five or seventy five D. I guess is, is what it would be. They because they're all. They sort of compare, right? They're they're all two hundred forty ish mile ranges. They're all, uh, you know, sub five second uh, zero to sixty times, except for the Audi. It's five point five, um, but uh, but it does look cool. Um, they're all about well, the Audi and the Tesla are about eighty grand. The Jag starts at about seventy. Uh, so I guess we'll see how these things play out with options and things like that. But the Audi looks pretty good. And this is kind of where we're going, right? Like we have to – these car companies have to do this. I'm not sure why uh, SUV is the way to go. Uh, I'm guessing it's because, you know, w- with our cars, we, we pay attention more to things like weight and, and handling performance. And with the SUVs, it seems like – a little extra ground clearance, some utility to move stuff around, and a big uh, floor to to add all those batteries and stuff to. I guess it seems a little bit more uh, acceptable, or maybe just makes Forgiving. a little bit more sense. Yeah, maybe it just makes sense from a packaging standpoint. You can you can you can add quite a bit of uh, a weight and stuff with batteries, but. You know, these electric motors are impressive. I mean, you know, we talked about before, they're adding them into supercars and stuff to add to the performance. And now we're getting these all-electric versions of cars. Uh, it'll, so it'll be interesting to see how this Audi comes out. I don't know much about if this is a straight-up platform or is, or is it built on something like an Audi Q5. Uh, that much I don't know. I think they were kind of uh, quiet on some of those details, but... That's going to be the new playing field. The new playing field is going to be this Audi versus Tesla versus Jaguar. And uh, we're, we've – Adam Carolla's wife has the Tesla, so we've definitely got that as a benchmark. We're going to have the I-Pace uh, Jaguar pretty soon. And then uh, I, I think this Audi's probably a year or so away. Um, what do you think, Bill? Would you get, a, would you get an electric SUV? 
You know, um, I, I, I'm going to fight it until I uh, until I can't fight it anymore. But um, it, it, there's no question this is where the, the, the automotive world is going. I can't deny that. And yes, I would purchase one at some point. But no, I am not at that point yet by any means. Um, you know, I mean, I, it, it, it's a very responsible way of looking towards the future. And I get it. Um, as you drive in LA traffic, which you and I both do daily. Yeah. Um, as of late, I mean, you're seeing a lot more of these crossovers and it is definitely, whether it's the way we're going or whether it's the way we're being pointed towards going, it's, it, it's a fact. And, you know, these are three very good models out there to have choices. I mean, a couple of years ago or a year ago, we only had one choice. And I'm curious to see what these other manufacturers, the dent that they're making in the Tesla's, uh, Tesla's business um, with, with the new crossovers coming out right now. I mean, is Tesla, obviously they, they cornered the market there for a little while. Um, but I think design-wise, everyone is going to supersede what Tesla puts out there. Um, but like I said, it's, 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 it's a logical um, progression. It's just not one that I'm, I'm willing to make right now. I, I like starting up the, the demons and working with those things. As, <laughs> as late, so. you know? Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I hear you on that. I mean, certainly in the electrification world of cars, we've had, which are essentially the entry-level ones, the Chevy Volt, the Leaf, and uh, things like that, and then our high-end ones like the, like the Teslas and and whatnot. And uh, now we're starting to fill in that middle ground with things that are, I don't know, maybe, maybe a little more practical, maybe a little more uh, you know, for the masses, I guess. I mean, if you can call a $70,000 car for the masses, uh, but who knows? Maybe maybe they're pushing like good lease rates and things like that. Um, I'm just ecstatic that visually people are coming out with a palatable option. This Audi is a beautiful looking crossover, if you ask me. I don't care if you're comparing it against electric cars or, or uh, you know, combustible engines. It, it doesn't matter. As it stands, this is a very good-looking SUV. It is. And therefore, I, you know, the main issue I have with, with um, electric vehicles is design. Okay? I, I, I agree with um, that. It's funny. I, I had a conversation with some Nissan guys back in the day about the Nissan Leaf, and I was like, you know, it's – what's going on with the design and stuff? And they said that the design was largely uh, a function of, of course, aerodynamics, but uh, sound. It had a lot to do with sound because they said once you remove the combustion engine and you have basically silent electric motors, you hear all this wind noise. And they said just changing the shape of the lights or a side mirror would make all the difference in the world because at at certain speeds, maybe – you know, 60 miles an hour, you could start hearing like like a whistling and all kinds of noise coming from different parts of the bodywork. So that's where the wind tunnel started to change uh, the shape of these cars to make them look the way they do. So I'm not sure uh, what's happening with 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 cars like like the I-Pace and the, and the Audi that you're talking about, the e-tron. Um, but the I-Pace specifically has a lot of aero built into it. It has sort of this front 
uh, it has a grill in the front, and then the air goes through it, and then kind of over the hood, like you'd see on a race car going through the radiator and downforce on the hood. That air actually flows over the top of the SUV, and then the rear glass, where there normally would be a rear windshield wiper, a rear glass wiper. You don't need it on the I-Pace because the way the, the wind flows over that car, it blows air down the glass and basically keeps it clear, keeps the fog off, keeps it clear. So just the use well, of aerodynamics. Go out and buy the, go out and buy the I-Pace because you don't, you don't, you're, you're saving money on a windshield wiper. <laughs> right? At least the motor. <laughs> you can put yeah. that weight into, uh, into, uh, into those batteries and stuff. Um, I uh, I want to talk about Ferrari because they've got some good news, uh, some interesting news, a lot of news that's going up uh, with them. But uh, I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about Continental, of course. If you think of all the weird things that you find in cars, I'm not talking about French fries and melted crayons. I'm talking about things like live snakes, bizarre trinkets, the kind of stuff that makes you just wonder about, folks. And another thing that will make you wonder, but in a good way, are Continental belts. I bet you didn't know that they're OE in tens of millions of Chrysler, Dodge, Ford, and GM vehicles that roll off the assembly line. Actually, you probably didn't know that because we've been reading this ad for a while. <laughs> they're also OE in a majority of BMWs and VWs. And now, Continental is launching the aftermarket multi-V belt with the OE pedigree. It's their OE technology series. These belts are fanatically engineered for perfect fit, form, and function. And Continental has an OE technology series multi-V belt for 98% of the vehicles on the road in the U.S. and Canada. So listen, you get enough surprises working on your cars and trucks already. A belt shouldn't be one of them. Go with the Continental OE Technology Series Multi-V Belt, the belt with the OE pedigree. To get the full story, visit OETechnologySeries.com. All right, so uh, Ferrari had uh, like a big, I don't know, like shareholders meeting. They were talking about some new cars. They were talking about the direction of the company. Um uh, you know, new management when the the current head of FCA kind of passed, he passed away. Unfortunately, he was a very well-liked guy, uh, Sergio uh, Mar- Marchione. I, I forgot. I don't know how to say his last name. I don't have him in front of me. But um, young man died. I, I think it was of cancer. I don't have all the details on that in front of me, but uh, very sad there. But what is Ferrari going to do? What's the future of Ferrari? And now it's 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 different. They couldn't they can't really just kind of do what they want, which they've been able to do for so long because now they're they've spun off as their own public company. Uh, they have a fiduciary duty. They have a stock price. They have shareholders. Um, and as 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 an independent company, they have EPA laws they need to match. Where you know, in the world of, of of Fords and Chevys, you can make a you know you can make a Ford Focus and you can make a Chevy Spark for you know for you know for every couple of F one fifties. And overall, as a company, you can meet those cafe standards. You know, and you can release some hybrid cars and some electric cars and and uh, and meet the overall company cafe standard, these emissions and, and fuel economy standards. But Ferrari has a little bit more difficulty doing that. So where do they go from here? What they tell us is Ferrari plans on launching up to 15 new models, including hybrids and a utility vehicle, right? I, I don't know if they're saying specifically a truck, a sport utility vehicle. 
if this has been like a long debate for the Ferrari brand for a long time, would just be like, do they do an SUV? And it's always been like, no, we're not going to do it. It's going to hurt the brand. My question is, will it really hurt the brand? Like Ferrari has done it. Bentley's done it. Rolls-Royce has their coming out or it basically is out. Um, I understand that uh, Aston Martin's probably going to be doing it. Maserati has certainly done it. Um, And as far as sports car brand loyalty, we know Porsche has several SUVs, the Cayenne, the Macan. Has that hurt the brand? I I don't know that that's really hurt the brand. I think the SUVs are great. But I think the diehards that love the 911 still just treat the 911 like a 911, almost like another company, right? Like you, you know, you go to a, a Ren Sport racing event and stuff like that. I'm sure everybody's rolling up in a Cayenne and racing all the 911s. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think Ferrari should step into this realm, this SUV realm? I think if it's a publicly traded company now, they have to jump into the foray. I don't think it's going to hurt their brand. You know, my brother being a Ferrari guy and having four or five of their top cars, I don't think it's going to turn him away whatsoever. I think uh, it's going to make him want to go out and buy a Ferrari SUV. Yeah, so that's they're offered. You know, that's a good question. Is so your your brother is a Ferrari collector? Do you think uh, a Ferrari SUV? would attract new people to the brand or do you think it uh uh it i think it, completely it sells depends to existing on the customers. price point yeah it's the price point i think that's going to determine everything um there's no question about it i mean with them uh, producing 22 more vehicles you know everybody in the world who's always had their eyes set on owning a ferrari maybe there's a reasonable version that they can that they're going to build um, that that's more palatable to the normal person. Um, although that again would probably devalue the brand. I, I'm not real sure, but you know, in this day and age, I, I, I don't think it's a, I don't think the brand will take a hit. Yeah. I don't, I don't think so either. I think it would be fine. I look, I Porsche pulled it off and I think that brought a lot of new customers to the Porsche brand for sure. Now, Rolls-Royce's strategy with their SUV is not really new customers to the brand. They're saying that people that own the cars have been asking for an SUV, and they're just going to have one of each. They think those customers want an SUV, and they're just going to have the car parked in their garage next to the SUV. Uh, I think both are gra- both are great options. I mean, uh, both are, are are great reasoning. You know, whether it's the new car market or the the people who already own that vehicle. You know, wanting to purchase another one because it's in a different space. Uh, you know, I, I think, I think the brands are going to benefit from both. Yeah. Well, uh, as part of that, as part of this strategy is more uh, specialty vehicles, more limited edition vehicles, and they they took the cover off of two vehicles that they debuted. The Monza SP1 and the SP2. These are open roof. Sports cars. The Monza SP1 is a single seater, um, which is interesting. And then the SP2 is two seats, but they pumped up the engine in the Ferrari uh, Superfast, the 812 Superfast, which I'm pretty sure our buddy Ken Lingenfelter just bought. <laughs> or he was on the list for one and he's been he's been excited about it. Uh, so I don't know if he has it yet. We're gonna maybe we'll talk to him at SEMA. Um 
because I want to hear about that car and because uh, I think it's gorgeous. I, I love that long nose front engine GT style of, of supercar. Um, but the engine is a six and a half liter V12 uh, that's in the super fast. And in in the uh, the new Monza, these cars here, it's that engine. So it's front engine. These cars, by the way, are front engine uh, or front mid, if you will. 809 horsepower, 530 pound-feet of torque. And Ferrari says it'll go 0 to 62 miles an hour in 2.9 seconds. And I guess if you just go fast enough, you don't need a windshield. <laughs> because Yeah, um, that's, a no, that's a whole other conversation. I think to touch on it, I think Ferrari needs to continue to do what they're doing and satiate the true Ferrari collector in these limited edition vehicles. Um, it, but, you know, <laughs> uh, you roll this thing and you're dead. There's no question about that. I mean, there's no roll bar. It's more it's more dangerous than my Cobra. Yeah, probably. Um, although the although people, I don't think are going to take the car out and drive it to its limit, um, unless they're four and a half feet tall and their head, you know, uh, you know, it, it's not going to be compromised. But that's a death trap right there, you know, for one point two five. Um, but the Ferrari collector, you know, was probably going to go out and get that car to say that they have it, you know. It's going to be interesting, and I imagine that all of the roll protection comes in the way of electronics. I think the car probably has to sense every movement and tries to prevent you from doing something. I mean, granted, you get you get T-boned by a semi-truck, you're having a bad day no matter what, but... Uh, <laughs> I don't care what you're in. Yeah, it doesn't really matter what you're in, although I prefer not to be in a smart car. Uh uh, so anyway, it's an interesting strategy. So Ferraris always sort of cap their cars at about 7,000. I think they're moving up to like 9,000. Um, and I think they're setting a goal of about 15,000 cars a year. So uh, I guess we'll see where it goes. I mean, from a, from an innovation standpoint, um, I, I think Ferrari has always produced uh, some pretty amazing cars, certainly some beautiful cars. And uh, it's important for their brand. More than anybody out there, it's important for their brand to maintain the valuability, the, 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 the value of these cars, the long-term value of these cars, so they can continue to be collector's items. Anything Ferrari at auction these days basically goes up, you know, and even the worst of the worst, they still go up in value eventually. So um, uh, anyway, so it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Uh, all right, so I know we we got kind of a short show today. I apologize for that, but we're running out of uh, studio time here. We got another crew coming in, and uh, they've got guests and stuff that they've got to do. So we're going to start. Let me get something out there real quick, please. Yeah, please. Yeah. Uh, a lot of guys have been asking about you know updates on the demon. Well, I, I have a little bit of a dilemma. Um, do I, I receive the? Uh, Demon Bar uh, and the uh, Backseat Delete yesterday. I also received the Shock Tower Brace for the trunk. Um, there is a lot of stuff for me to take off on this car to install those two items. Uh, I want to hear from some Demon owners, whether they've done it themselves or wh- whether they've taken it to the dealership, because I want to do it myself, but I also want to put the puzzle back properly. <laughs> yeah. So it's a daunting task, and I haven't seen many people do it themselves or at least post it. So 
Um, give me your feedback, everybody. Yeah, if you guys have done it, um, I'll tell you what, shoot us an email uh, at uh, at gmail.com. And, of course, you can hit us up on all of our social media. Uh, and speaking of Dodge, your authorized Dodge dealer invites you to experience a world of performance, design, and fuel efficiency. Schedule a test drive today. Go to Dodge.com or visit your Dodge dealer to learn more about the exciting offers on our powerful lineup. All right. So, uh, I, Bill, thanks again for calling in. We're going to put a plan together to get together here back in the studio. Uh, it'll be good to catch up with you in person. Uh, and I apologize for the short show, guys, but uh, we're running out of studio time. So um, until next time, uh, for Matt and Bill and Chris, who's not talking because he's sick, is, uh, is uh, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. See ya! For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. CarCast Show.